0: What up, what up? Jimmy Murray here with Frank Petalano, and we are the Cashflow Kings. The Cashflow Kings podcast discusses money, finance, mindset, and investing with an emphasis on cash flowing real estate. Thanks for joining
1: the Cashflow Kings, and welcome to our new episode. I took the red pill with Jerome
0: Myers. We
1: are here to help you crush your
0: goals. Hey guys, so really excited to bring Jerome Myers on this podcast. Frank's known him for a bit, Um, I've known him through Facebook. Guy seems like a real estate killer, so I'm excited to have him here. Jerome, welcome to the podcast.
2: Gentlemen, I've been lobbying to be on this show for about three years now. I'm 200 <laughs> plus podcast interviews in, and I'm finally hanging out with the cash flow Kings. So I'm grateful, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here to deliver tremendous value, so these guys will be willing to have me on their show at some point later in the future. So here we go. I love
1: that. Dope. Jerome, dope. tell us tell us about yourself and then we'll 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 d- we'll dive into some of this stuff but let's hear just just what is Jerome all about cuz i've always known him as as Mr. Amazing so you you joke about being on this i was on yours early on we met in yeah. boston years yeah. ago and you uh, that accent boston
0: <laughs> that was God. a good one <laughs>
1: tell us about yourself
2: yeah i think the short answer is i'm a corporate america dropout man i had the fortune of building a $20 million division for Fortune 550. And my reward for that was laying people off two years in a row. And I just said, I'm not cut out for this. So I, I dropped out, tried to buy an apartment building, went to the first bank. They said, uh, you don't have the right experience. I said, what are you looking for? He said, well, uh, you ever bought one of these before? I said, no. I said, have you ever executed a business plan like this before? I said, uh, I don't have any of that either. So yeah, you're not qualified, you need a partner. Problem was, I wanted to do this for over 15 years and I hadn't done anything to expand my network. And so it was no different when I got out of corporate America than I was a sophomore in college where me and my buddy were sitting on the stoop and realized that the guy that owned the complex was making $700,000 a year and we never saw him or talked to him. So I went on this wild ride, eventually got my first deal done and then took my talents a little further south. And I've been hanging out in Greensboro, North Carolina, trying to become one of the largest housing providers in the community.
0: Love that. Love that. <clears throat> Honestly, it sounds like you're hanging around the right crowd at that point, right? So you always see the meme or the the quote online of talking about you are the product of the five people you hang around with. Was your buddy on the stoop, is he with you now? Is he actively investing in real estate as well or is he headed in a
2: different direction? No, he's in every deal. He still has his day job. I love that in every deal. Yeah, that's
0: dope. That's dope. So, have that conversation on the stoop. You obviously, girl. Like, what's what's your first deal look like?
2: Oh man, Uh, a mess, a disaster, (laughs) a headache. (laughs) Uh, But you know, nobody talks about that. So I'm gonna give you the the sizzle reel for Instagram, so we can put a put up some social media. So. Man, you'll never believe this, Jimmy and Frank. We bought this deal first with rents average rents were six ninety five, brother. We got these things up to twelve ninety five right now over the course of three or four years, and the cap rates have compressed. And it looks like we're going to sell this thing for one hundred and fifty five thousand dollars plus a door. We paid fifty five thousand dollars a door for it, man. Oh, yeah. Uh, when we exit this, when we go find our new deal, you know, I'm, it's not a solicitation, but, Know you guys are accredited investors so we'd love to have you as a part of our next venture absolutely you in? absolutely yeah now the rest no of doubt. that story um, is th- we made every mistake that you can make every single mistake from not getting permits to putting stuff in the inspectors finding it making us pulling it out uh, switching contractors in the middle of the rehab not really knowing your partners before you get in the deal and running into those types of conflicts and issues I can run down the list because I did everything wrong.
0: So, what do you think? Like, if you could go back in, kind of Monday morning quarterback, like, what what do you think is like the the biggest learning opportunity? Like, what do you think you did the worst? I guess because I think that's probably where the biggest learning opportunity is.
2: Yeah, what did we do? I I didn't know my partners, right? I knew I realized that I was in trouble when I was sitting there and we're having a meeting. What year was and this? We find. This is 2017. Okay. Might have been okay. early 2018, probably late 2017, early 2018. I'm sitting at the table and one of the partners says, yeah, we don't care about the bed bugs. We don't want those people there anyway. It's like, Oof, what?
0: Wrong answer. Like That's rent. why I fire clients, man. <laughs> yeah. That is legitimately why I fire clients. You don't want to do the right things for your tenants. See ya. We're out. Right?
2: Yeah. So I, I realized for me, that was an issue. It was a big issue for me. And I didn't get into the business not to take care of the people who, as one of my partners will say, is our partner, right? They're, they're yeah. our client. They're our customer. They're, they're the cash that makes this engine run. And so I, I realized that it was going to be a long road. And we had issues during due diligence, but that was one of the things that really took the cake for me. If you
1: have no tenants, you have no money coming in, right? No revenue.
0: So it's funny and because- We
2: ended up with no residents. So And that wasn't part of the business plan, right? Yep. So we went through and we were like, man, we're going to evict this person. They're not paying. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And by us going through that, we ended up with nobody there, right? And so we went to 0% occupancy. Wow. Some people call it the valley of death. That's right, true, <laughs> you're writing that check every month for that mortgage you're funding the construction and the rehab out of your pocket it gets uncomfortable how many on units how was this are. 23.
1: i cannot imagine having 23 out of 23 vacancies that's uh,
0: wow power to you for being able to survive but, honestly though you hit the nail on the head to get out of that valley of death <laughs> you need deep pockets right it, even if that is your game plan to evict everybody and turn over everything like you you get to experience some financial pain to turn that around. Um, yeah.
2: and s- there this is the thing that I thought was probably most interesting about that situation. So we went to zero and then the people, we had cages around half the units had HVAC units, like yeah. full blown central HVAC. They had cages around them. While the units were vacant, people came in and disassembled the, units on the outside so they could steal the copper, left the cage in place. And yeah. so because we had insurance for an occupied property that was ended up being vacant, our insurance company had a problem with the claim because, you know, did we have the right <laughs> coverage? Did this happen? And we eventually changed coverages. And so this happened right around the time that we changed coverages. So were we committing insurance fraud? There was all of these concerns and questions about what we were actually doing there and so you know again i I tell you we made every mistake now we're going to come out shining but most people don't really want to get into how the sausage is made
0: that's right um i think the big takeaway here is now this is how you gain street cred right you live through the pain the trial by fire and you guys turn it around and you've got a hell of an outcome and that's something you can add to your resume when you potentially tackle some of these more distressed properties when you're courting investors.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a great story. But you know, I, I get, I get disheartened when I listen to people come on podcasts and everything went as planned, and they always make money. Because I, I know that that's not real. I know that there's people who've come in and saved the day. I, I've watched Frank do it for other people. And so when I was coming into the game, because I wasn't smart enough to go through a mentorship program, i listen to these podcasts and get discouraged because it's like, man, I'm no, I'm, I'm fumbling the ball here. I'm the only one that's not making this thing look super easy. And so I don't ever want somebody to look at what happened in my world and think, Oh, well, yeah, it, it just happens without any false starts or challenges. Cause for me, that's not a real situation.
0: Amen to that. Amen to that. Like I think about the pains of my first property it wasn't on a similar scale to yours, but damn, I learned a lot, right? But most people don't wanna talk about that. It's like the, the flashiness of social media. Let me share all my wins. But it's like, yo, if you took a minute, I'm sure that there's probably one or two losses for every win that you have. At least when you start out, you collect the wins heavy when you start out to try and figure it out. Um, but the power of perseverance is what's gonna pull you through and learning from those mistakes.
2: Yeah, I think in real estate, you can always find your way out if you got enough money.
0: <laughs> True. I can remember my first account. he was this old guy. And at the time, I think he told me that he, met, he, had, he owned 84 units outright. And they were in a demographic geographies in Rhode Island. And he's like, guess how much cash flow that is? <laughs> so I'd like come up with a number. And he goes, so this is what I'm going to teach you. Cash flow cures all. He's like, you may not be making money now, but that cash flow is going to help you out over the long run. And that's what's going to keep you afloat. And I've kept that in mind all along. And that's where, like Frank will tell you, most people think we're crazy for flipping owner-occupied multifamilies. But guess what? Most of the time, we've got someone covering the juice payments, the hard money lender, right? So, I mean, it's all figuring out what your strategy is. But remember, cash flow cures all. And uh, if you take care of your tenants, you'll take care of your cash flow, bringing everything together that we've talked about so far.
1: I've had people that are, um, they, they find me crazy for not over leveraging. They're like, the market's so hot. You should be borrowing like 90% of your money. It's like, nah, I got, you, you're always going to have backup plans. It's things that fall apart. So I try to have a couple properties that have no mortgage on them. So then if there's an emergency, like you were talking about, Jerome, that one in Texas, um, you were talking with someone the other day about, I had to borrow money on, on my properties to make sure that they were whole and that we closed that deal
2: yeah but how bossy is it i mean frank showed me before his superhero image that's hanging up on the wall behind him how bossy is it that he could just wire it and say hey just in case right I seriously mean, right this guy Are was real? a school teacher right he was a school teacher and he could do something like mm-hmm. that i i know people who make you know several hundred thousand dollars a year who would never be able to do that because they spend it all so i mean yep it the person who has the cash actually wins the game from my perspective 100%. when it comes to real estate. And it's really interesting because people t- talk about no money and this, that, or the third. This isn't a poor man's game. <laughs> you always lose to the guy with the cash if you tra- play that game.
1: Oh, my God. We talk about this with wholesalers all the time, right, Jimmy? There's so many of our friends that we know that want to get into wholesaling, but they have no money. And that's it's not saying it's impossible to do it, but they think that that's the easiest strategy. It's like, no, it's not. Wholesaling is hard work, and it takes money to put to put out those mailers,
0: you know? diligent follow up, and a marketing budget. Because your marketing budget, if it's effective, is going to be directly correlated to the amount of contracts that you secure. It all fall. It all you know. If you follow the process, it all flows downhill. So if you're spending a thousand, you use the same process, and now you can buy double the amount of leads. And you spend two thousand. Now you should be able to double the amount of deals that you close. But people don't think about it like that. Um, but wholesaling is very time intensive in the follow-up and money intensive in terms of the amount of marketing where I'm a huge proponent of house hacking. Yes. Uh, I've got some rose colored glasses here because that's what I did, but I wouldn't change that for the world. I get into wholesaling after that. And it was challenging, um, because I didn't know how to sell. Um, but anybody listening house hacking is the way to start or like Jerome, you know, find a couple partners and try and take down a larger complex.
1: So, Jerome, that 23-unit, did you do that as a joint venture just as, or did you syndicate it? How would you guys do that?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm the weirdo. I'm anti-syndication, especially when you're starting, right? I think yep. people see syndication as the way to go big and go fast when they don't have any experience and no credit mm-hmm. and no real cash. And it bothers me because if you're taking somebody's money in and you can't make them whole, what are you doing?
0: huge problem, right? What are
2: you doing? If, if it goes wrong, right? Because if, it if goes it's wrong. big enough, it's like a train. Right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to get it back on the tracks. So what are you going right. to do? You're just going to say, oh, it's an investment. Just know that you're not going to raise any more money. Right. right. Just know that that part of your career is over. So I much rather, and this is what I encourage people to do. Go buy something that's half a million or 1.5 with a group of people who know you really well, they understand your track record, they know that your experience level is whatever it is, And you guys go through the school of hard knocks together, get a yep. mentor, get a coach, get somebody to look over your shoulder and make sure you don't do something stupid. But that's going to be the hardest property that you ever own. And then use that once you exit it at a profit. Remember, we went from 55 to 155 on this deal. To attract more investors, more partners to come in and then go do it again with something a little bit bigger. Like I believe in the stair step approach. I, I don't think that you go from renting an apartment to owning a $10 million complex, but that's what a right. lot of people are chasing.
0: Sure is. And it's kind of like that. Uh, it's like the Instagram approach, put up a couple posts and all of a sudden you're an influencer, right? <laughs>
2: oh, <laughs> and
0: man, it takes time, it takes time. I like I was, that. that Good. The way that you explain that with the, the staircase approach.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, I, both of you guys are pretty well off. So Jimmy Frank, you guys form a company, right? I'm starting my MMA career. My first fight's going to be with Conor McGregor. I need half a million to get into the deal, right? We're going to market. We're going to do the things. I listened to some podcasts. I watched a few videos on YouTube, and I'm just going to hop in the ring with Conor. Okay? Now, if I win, I'll give you a 15% return on that money that you you, you trust me with. If I lose, you lose everything. I've got wire instructions at the ready. My email is up. If you just give me your email address, I'll get that over to you so you guys can go ahead and pop into your online account and go ahead and wire that money to me. The
0: notorious
1: CFK. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, did you set me up? Did you tell him that my son's named after Conor McGregor? No, I didn't. (laughs) Jerome's like, no way. (laughs) True, true story. True story. So, uh, no, I so I understand in? that analogy
2: wholeheartedly. No, are you in? Are you gonna? Are you in? No, no, no,
0: without it. No. What, I not? want to see some type of track record. Now, if you if you if you were the closer and you came to me and you said, Hey, I have the GP team to back me up here, here, and here. Now I'm thinking about no,
2: but, it, but no, 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 just give me the half a million, I'll give you 15% return <laughs> if I win. <laughs> That's how you sound. If you don't have any experience and you're trying to raise capital.
0: Absolutely. Sounds silly.
2: And you're confused on why people don't want to give you money and forget Jimmy and Frank. They're writing the check for 20%. What about the, the bank that's doing 70 to 80%? What about them? Do you think they're going to put their money? They're not giving me any money to fight Conor McGregor. I don't even have a coach. <laughs> I don't even have a training regimen you guys don't see me sweating doing road work or any of that stuff so why on <laughs> earth would anybody give me money to give you money to go buy a deal I, I think it disrespects the craft like Jimmy I, I know you run the property management company like, it's hard work man sure it's hard work to run these deals and it's hard work to find them so you know I, I just I'm cynical on it because I think there's a lot of people out there who are of the opinion that this is easy and I think some of the educators and I think some of the people who are running around using podcasts to raise money are misleading folks and putting them in a situation where they go buy a lead. Lead and a deal aren't the same thing. They go buy a lead and then they take people into what they thought was a promised land, but ends up being captivity. Right? They lose their money and then now syndication or real estate investment in apartments is bad. I want I want to put a stop to that because you know it makes harder it makes it harder for people like me or like Frank or Jimmy, anybody who actually knows what they're doing and is is humble enough to say, hey, everything doesn't go exactly as I planned it to go. Uh, when I finish my pro forma, the only thing I know is that it's going to be higher or lower than the numbers on it, but it won't be <laughs> the numbers that I put on it. It's true. It's a different conversation, man sure what are you
1: talking about i was always told you should be buying each and every property you see and there's no way to lose money in real estate come on that's what they're all saying
2: it's (laughs) always going to go up man inflation is happening you got to buy real estate in order to protect your investment unless you buy real estate that doesn't appreciate and then you just created a way to lose more money than you ever thought about losing
0: so let let's talk about that though, because I know like some folks in our local market, more so like north towards Boston, they are betting on capital appreciation and they don't give a shit about cash flow. Where in my mind, and it sounds like you're with a similar mindset, that <clears throat> you know, we're gonna bet on cash flow up front and appreciation is the icing on the cake. Now we might get more aggressive in certain markets that so we have a higher level of confidence in certain economic factors, but I think that's where people get crossed up.
2: They're totally confused. Uh, I mean, Jimmy, you, you run P&Ls for a bunch of different properties. You can see who's doing well and who's not Who's not, in a way that right. most of us can't. Uh, the only number that matters is the net operating income. It doesn't matter if Thanks. you are trying uh-huh. to get cash flow or you're trying to get appreciation. Sure, the cap rate might compress, so that may save you in some regards. But if your NOI is less than it was when you bought it,
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I don't know what to tell you right? other than and, you're not making more money.
0: NOI is the focus? And it's not always increasing rents. It could be managing expenses better. Can you increase the cost of insurance? Can you increase the, the cost of uh, garbage disposal? Right. And a well-versed property manager is going to be able to help you out there. But a well-versed operator could be somebody on the GPU team right? or a partner that you're with. They may be able to take a keen eye to that pro forma and figure out how to help you out. And those are some of the softer skills that you develop over the time with experience. But it's not all about deferring all the maintenance either. <laughs> no, 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 that's going to cost no. more money in the long run.
2: Yeah, it always costs more. Now, the question is, do you, do you replace it or do you fix it, right? Because whether you want it to be a capital expense or operating expense. But you know now we're, now we're splitting hairs. The fact of the matter is you got to have a business plan. You got oper- to execute it. Right? If you don't execute the business plan, you got nothing other than right. something that's going to end up costing you money at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like, man, this guy's cynical. He, he's going down the wrong path. I came here to feel good about the thing. I, I just hate that people are being misled, man.
0: you almost like the prophet. Told you- Honestly, the, I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to follow you, man. Cause I, I believe in exactly what you're saying. Like if you, and the you know, I was on the podcast circuit, but I told everybody, I'm like, the secret sauce is the hard work. If you're willing to put in the work, you can have anything you want but you gotta put in the work it's not all yeah. you know selfies in front of 100 unit properties it's not that easy you gotta learn
2: well and the prettiest ones there ain't no money there <laughs>
0: right <laughs> yeah now you're speaking my language
2: <laughs> there, there is no money there because you can't force the appreciation it's it's already done you're right. counting going rents going up to three percent or the five percent that it may go up and what else you got?
0: You mean (laughs) friends don't go up 8% every year in order for me to meet?
2: (laughs) Nah, (laughs) brother. Nah, we're not going to have a housing shortage, right? When people finally get fed up, and this happened to me, right? We're going to talk about all the dirt, man, with the cash flow kings today. I like it. So I've had, I've I've been impacted. I, I know you guys haven't been impacted by COVID at all, but I've been impacted by COVID there's been some delinquency at some of my properties, you know, the city's decided not to distribute some of the COVID relief funds, even though they send the approval letters. And so I had a situation at my complex last week, Jerome, we're here. The resident had no idea that she was going to be locked out today. She didn't check her mail. She didn't come to court. And so she went down to the city. And they said that they can get us her $8,500 check tomorrow morning. And we know that you've been waiting on this since August and we know she hasn't paid any rent since 2019, December of 2019. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? I want my money if she's really, if they're really going to bring it, but you know, every time we've talked to them, they have no updates. They have no idea when they're going to send the money. So. You know, it's either the apartment or the cash. I, I, I don't really care which one at this point because I'm fed up. And lo and behold, the check shows up. Eighty two. It was like eighty, little less than eighty five hundred dollars. And we got the approval letter letter in August of twenty twenty one. Right. This is her second COVID payout. Right. She hasn't paid rent since December of twenty nineteen. And we're talking in 2022. So, and she, she hasn't made a single payment and she gets offended when we reach out to her asking if she's going to pay any of her rent. And so for me, I think other landlords are going to be in the same space where it's like, I don't care how much money they're going to send. I want these freeloaders out of my apartment, right? right. Cause. Jimmy, you said it, man. If you don't have cash, then what do you got? You don't have a business. So, what do you do?
0: I'm honestly, I'm in the same boat as you. Like I've seen, I feel like the. So we were proactive throughout COVID, saying, "Hey, it was originally safe harbor funds. Now in our local market, it's called rent relief. We're willing to help you through it." I mean, shoot, uh, December 2020, safe harbor was running out any tenant that was $250 or more behind, I had my VA go into the system and apply for about 50 tenants on their behalf to try and help them out, to be proactive. Because at that point, a lot of people didn't know. But now, a couple of years later, going through COVID, we have probably four or five tenants in a similar circumstance to the tenant that you're talking about. And I think that it sets the incorrect tone for the other tenants in the building honestly it's it's almost like you're creating a um and i know that it could be on a building by building basis but you're almost creating a tone for the wrong culture
2: 1000 percent, and i i long drawn out story to get to the point where more owners are going to be tired of waiting yeah for that money and they're going to evict and so people aren't going to have a waiting list for their properties anymore because there's going to be some vacancy created from the frustration and they're just going to have to eat the rent that they've been holding on to and i think the other thing back to this cash thing so guess what happens if your residents don't pay the rent you got to pay the mortgage yeah assuming you have debt on your property and so if you can't write the check then you sell to the guy that has the money that can write the check so then again Frank shows up he puts a mortgage on one of his free and clear properties. He gets you out of your bind because you don't (laughs) want to give it back to the bank and you leave all of the equity and all the upside and he harvests that and moves on. So this is the way the game works. If you don't have the right partners with the right deep pockets or balance sheets, you get yourself in a pickle really quickly. And this is why I want people to do a stair-step approach instead of jumping straight to the NBA.
0: That's it. That's a, that's a good perspective, too, because think about it. Like, <clears throat> outside of Kobe, how many other successful players have transitioned from high school to the NBA? You can probably count them on one hand. I'm not that big of a basketball fan, but <clears throat> it's probably not many.
2: I, for certain, it's not many, and there's a reason why they said it, you at least got to do one year now.
0: That's right? it. Because honestly, I you mean, at least stop. from my perspective, maybe you guys can piggyback on this, but um, there's a lot of maturing that goes on from the time you graduate high school through the next four or five years after that, a lot of, a lot of life changes and trying to figure it out, you know, numerous different things. I'm
1: just thinking about being a school teacher and the concept of backup plans. Um, I had a number of students who were all great kids, but they at middle school, they were done with school because they had this dream that they were going to be the rapper. They were going to be the football star. They were going to be the baseball star. It's like, guys, is it possible? Yes but you Mm got to have that backup plan because think about the number of professional baseball players divided by the number of schools in this country, no matter how good you are, what's the chance one out of every school, not even, you know? So Mm -hmm. same thing. I know what you're saying. So what's, what's your newest deal, Jerome? What's, what's something you have going on? After all this learning, you might not be able to talk about it. What's the last deal you had? How did you learn from those other ones? What's something cool yeah. you have going
2: on? Yeah, there, there's there's all kind of stuff going on. I feel <laughs> like I'm just in a flurry of, and it, I'll tell you, like I'm transparent with the listeners, right? The last deal I closed was in 2019, in October, August of September of 2019. I had three deals. I had a 233, a 50 unit, and a 66 unit that I was this far away from buying in the spring of. 2020 and when the mask went on everybody that i do deals with said they don't want to buy anything because they don't know what's going to happen the wealthiest people i knew said ah uh, I, I don't want to drop below because i don't know if everything's going to go to hell and so i want to make sure i have as much cash available as possible just in case and so i had to pivot because all of my money was being made from acquisition fees at that point and so my natural gift is coaching. Like I I can really help people make their dreams a reality. And so I went from one client in January of 2020, or we'll call it four coaching calls in January of 2020 to about 55 in December of 2020. And we continue that cadence. And so I did a really dramatic shift and not really focused on the real estate. I love the real estate it's part of my expertise but really helping people get to this space. So here's what I found. And it became really frustrating for me. Somebody would come to me, hey Jerome, I wanna buy an apartment building. And then you start putting the stress on them of making these huge financial decisions with six and seven figure buying. You, you got all of the pressure of meeting new people and being comfortable enough with themselves to present them to the world so that they can change their network because the people that they play sideline bus football with are not the same people who are doing well enough financially to go buy a multi-million dollar deal. And so we're trying to work through all these things. We're trying to find a deal, but they got all of this stuff that's preventing them from ever getting to the place where they can actually put the deal together. And so I realized that like I have to go back and do all this work. And so like the coaching platform is based on six levels. And the first three are where all the stress is created, the self-image, relationship, and your work so we work really hard to eliminate stress so people can improve their health because when somebody is stressed, they do things that are self-destructive. They call it taking the edge off. You know what that looks like, right? You're popping the candy, you're drinking, you might be smoking or whatever else is your vice. And if you feel like you gotta take the edge off, there's a point of stress that you're trying to numb. And so it's my goal to create a life that you don't have to numb why don't you want to numb well you can't experience the highs if you got to numb the lows it just brings yeah. everything down so that everything's kind of even in the middle and i i don't think i think you should enjoy the roller coaster if you watch a one or two year old they can go from screaming their head off to laughing in a matter of about four seconds and i think we should be able to enjoy that does it make us erratic i don't think so but some people feel that way and so they're just super level mellow and they don't ever get to celebrate when something amazing happens. And so, you know, that's levels one through four, right? Self-image, relationship, work, fix the health. And then you're playing in a prosperity game. We do health before prosperity because if you've seen really wealthy people who have poor health, they spend all their prosperity trying to get their health back. And so we want them to get the health, then get the prosperity. And that's where the multifamily piece really fits in. Because in concept, you're making so much in whatever you're doing on a day-to-day that you have abundance that you can put into other places. You know, if you think about the cash flow quadrant, I know we're in the cash flow kings. If you think about the cash flow quadrant, you know, there's an employee, self employed business owner, and investor. A lot of people are trying to go from the employee quadrant to the investor quadrant. I got an issue with that because I don't think that's the way to do it. I think you go from employee quadrant to business owner quadrant. That gives you the most levers. It gives you the most control and allows you to build equity quicker. Then you spend that equity out and invest it. And then you create right. the cash flow off of that. But people are just trying to go there. Your eight pref is not gonna get you very far, right? And most people don't have an extra 50,000 to put into a deal every year. And if mm-hmm. you really think about what most people, when they think about the lifestyle they wanna live, you need to put a million dollars of cash into a deal In order to get free and it's just like well how do i get from the hundred thousand dollars that i have in my 401k to a million dollars invested in real estate and the way that you do that is by taking some of that sweat equity out if you do like a joint venture or you start a business so you know we run through those so those are the first five and then level six is significance right i call it becoming immortal and so the goal here is to make your your play It's the play to impact other people so that you have this ripple effect where you show up in other people's lives and you don't even know that you're doing it. And so some people have heard of self-actualization. For me, level six is transcendence. I want you to go to that next level so that people are looking to you as the guide who can help them accomplish something or you inspire them to accomplish something that they wouldn't have tried before. And so literally 2020, 2021, And really 2022, the focus has been, how many people can I help become immortal? How many people can I help finish self-actualizing and then transcend? You know, my man, Logan Freeman has been pretty open about it. We spent the year doing a podcast called Compression. Uh, That dude did $45 million in transactions in 2020. 2021, we did 90. And then he's going to finish up because it was a quest to a hundred million. He'll finish up that last transaction. We'll get him over the hundred million dollar mark. And so, you know, 14 months versus 12 months, I think we did. Okay. <laughs>
1: you did awesome. I was getting uh, goosebumps just hearing about the transcendence and self actualization yeah. stuff. Um, so we called this podcast. Um, we, we asked him how you took the red pill. Can you give us a short idea of what that actually means?
2: Oh, man. And so what I just described to you guys is the red pill, right? It's our model for centered life. And so you have to take the red pill because it all starts with you. A lot of folks just wants the environment around them to change. But the fact of the matter is you are the impetus for that change. And so say that, take say that pill. one
0: more time, say that <laughs> one more time. That is so important. <laughs> Sorry, anybody who's listening. Sorry, kill the thought process. That is so important.
2: Yeah, so you can change, you change yourself first. Yeah, the <laughs> majority of people want the environment around them to change, but they have to change. And the world is, its I, I used to call it a mirror, but I realized there's a delay. So it's like a, a television broadcast where all the cameras are on you and you're getting this reflection on these screens around you. Why do you call it a delay, Jerome? Well, here's the thing. If people have anecdotal evidence of you responding to something in a certain way and you change, they're going to expect you to respond that same way until you show them something different. And so there's going to be this delay of what people expect from you when the stimulus happens. And so, yeah, man, for me, the red pill is all about you being the impetus for change in your ecosystem. Now, sometimes you got to change it, right? Actually leave the ecosystem that you're in because it's not fertile soil. Sometimes you can be in the right space, but not actually maximizing all of the opportunity that's around you. So, you know, for me, I want to help people identify which space that they're in and then help them just slam it down, pedal to the metal, get all they can out of it because unfortunately time is short. And I think, If nothing else, COVID has proven that to us. Awesome. Awesome.
1: Jerome, we have three questions that we ask every person that comes on our podcast. So the first one is, if someone wants to be a better investor, what do you recommend? What's one thing they should be doing?
2: You got to be able to do the math, right? I think a lot of people shy away from the spreadsheet. They don't really understand assumptions. They don't understand what is the one thing that has to go right in order for this deal to work. and if you don't understand the math part of it, then you're making all your decisions on logic or what somebody else told you. And from my perspective, that's really unwise because I can make the spreadsheet say whatever I want. Frank, you tell me you need a 16% return when I go fight Conor McGregor. I can put it in, man, so that it gives you exactly what you need. And it's funny, right? If you look at pro formas, if you look at these investments that are coming out on these email blasts, and you look at the return 20 irr <laughs> a deal in austin a deal in boise a deal in upstate connecticut a, a deal in north carolina they all got the same irr they all have the same pref how is that abs how's that possible when you look at the things going into it i i just don't know how it's possible but that's what they're feeding you because somebody said that's what the standard is and so you need to understand what's being presented to you because this isn't being vetted like stuff is on Wall Street, right? There are, although peop, you don't hear any of the syndicators say, I'm a fiduciary. You don't hear it, right? They, they are here to get you to put your money in the deal and for them to make as much fee and as much of the split as they can when it comes to the rent proceeds. That's it.
1: By the way, to make you feel better about that, um, I actually have a close friend that I actually denied uh, taking her money on the on the recent deal because she was she was not working. She had money, but I said, I can't take your money on this deal. I, I don't feel you're qualified right now. I have a responsibility to make sure you're successful on this and there's too much risk. So I knew you'd appreciate that. All right. That next question. What is one book that you consider a must read?
2: You yeah, have the four agreements, right? It's sitting right here. Four agreements. And oh, look at that. Think- Already
0: prepared and everything. <laughs> like, oh, I
2: got you guys. Yeah. I, I think that that book, if you can keep the four agreements, you have an amazing life. It's completely transformational.
1: Last question What do you want to be when you grow up? Which means five or 10 years from now, where do you see Jerome Myers?
2: Yeah, it's going to sound really silly, but I want to be the guy that the top investors in the country call when they get to a space and they're stuck. I want to be that guy to help them figure out how to unravel the knot that they're in.
0: I love that. Love that.
1: You're going to replace Tony Robbins when he uh, retires sometime.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to make Tony feel like it's his time to go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Confidence. Been, he, Tony's been gonna doing say, that's it like that David years, Goggins man. taking soul's mindset right there.
2: <laughs> Tony, Tony, Tony's been doing it 50 years, man. Tony, go ahead, man. Take a break. I got it. I got you. Just, just send it over. I got it.
0: Jerome, I think that your coaching program could be transformational for a lot of people. Um, if they were interested in learning more, where could they go to find that?
2: They can't right? They can't. <laughs> there, there is they, they can't find a website, they can't find anything. But if they're interested in learning more about me and kind of the stuff that we've been doing real estate wise, they can go to JeromeMyers.co. But But it's such an intimate relationship that a random person off the street can't get access to it. For me, it. I'm embedding myself in this person's life. I'm selling them my reticular activating system. Even if we're not on a call, I'm thinking about them and their business. I'm looking for things to help advance them on the mission that they're on. And so, you know, it's, it's not just for anybody. It's, it, there's a pretty high level of qualification that we go through in order to get access to that, man. And I love that. Honest, I got I'm booked up. It's crazy. It's, I was having a conversation yesterday about what can I do because I can't serve everybody that needs service
0: that's dope that you've been able to create that product in that short of a time span. And just from listening to you talk about it, like I got hyped up over here. Let's
2: go. Dude,
0: you've got it, man, honestly. Um, so I'm gonna surprise Frank on this one, but easily this is one of my top five favorite interviews, man, you, you do oh, it. Oh
2: man, oh man, oh man. We gotta get the crowd in here. We gotta get the crowd in here. Ah!
1: Uh, Jerome is I mean, it's amazing. always my
2: goal. I need the downloads to show that, man. It's always my goal to be in the top three when I come on the show, man. I, I really nah, man. Just, just the way
0: that you talk about approach, right? Because it's not just real estate. And that's what you talk about with your coaching program. You got to figure yourself out first. Once you figure yourself out, then you can create success from there. You can create, what was it? Transcendence? What was the word that you used at the like top level? Did I get that? Transcendence. Yeah. That would like, man, I, gotta get, I got a long sleeve shirt on, but I had the goosebumps underneath. I was like, all right, let's go. Here we go. So. Jerome,
1: so what do you have coming up? Um, I've spoken at it before. Maybe you can briefly give a shout out to that. This will be released before this comes out. So, what do you have coming up?
2: Oh, man. Yeah, man. So, the Mid Atlantic Multifamily Investing Conference is on the way February 18th through the 20th. It's going to be better than your favorite Netflix binge. We are just going to roll people in starting on Friday night. We got uh, Sophia Castro coming in. And most of you may not know who she is, but she went from being a high school dropout to exiting a four billion, a company that was valued at a billion. And now they've got a 400 plus million dollar real estate portfolio down in Florida, her and her husband, Bobby. And she's going to come in and explain to you how she did it she's going to challenge you the theme this year is dare to dream she's going to challenge you to dare to dream because you know they are either Cuban immigrants right and so if it could happen for them for those of us who were born here, why wouldn't it be able to happen for us? We got a long slew. I, I, did, so I did panels this time. So we got like 40 some speakers going this time. And Fred's That's spoken amazing. at the past. He's gonna speak at the future. You know, I, I see what he's been doing running around. He keeps coming up. I'm like, man, this guy, he's a superhero <laughs> for people. Because I literally interviewed somebody the other day and they said, had Frank Patelano not been on our team, and shown us that we could actually raise capital, I don't know how we would have ever closed it. Still, exact phrasing, right? Exact phrasing. And so, you know, I go around trying to find the people that most folks don't know about and give them a platform. You're not going to see your typical run-of-the-mill speakers who are on the podcast circuit at our conference. One, because we're focused on diversity, we want to give more people an opportunity to share their story. And two, I right or wrong. I got this chip on my shoulder. I want to show the guys that are running the big conferences that you can have a diverse speaker lineup and still have great attendance and give great. Hell yeah. All
0: right, Jerome, we appreciate having you on the show. Um, appreciate you pitching the, the show to us and hopefully a lot of folks head down for, as a result of the podcast. Have you guys heard from me? This is top five favorite podcasts of all time recorded right now. Um, so, dial into the podcast and then buy some tickets to that conference because I think it could be life-changing based on some of the things I heard on the podcast today. Um, We hope that you guys enjoyed this episode of the Cashflow Kings podcast. In between podcasts, check out our website, thecashflowkings.com, or give us a follow on Instagram or Facebook under the handle, the Cashflow Kings. Cheers to your success.
1: The Cashflow Kings program is for basic entertainment purposes only. We do not give official legal tax or investment advice.